Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Today is a Q&A and I have three questions I'm going to dive into. But first, before I dive into that, I just have a few ways you can help support the podcast. So first, if you're sick of just focusing on weight loss and instead want a body recomp, then my one-on-one online coaching program is for you. I help you lose body fat and build muscle with my body recomp training, nutrition, and lifestyle methods. We look at things like your lifestyle and biofeedback to individualize your training and nutrition program to you and your specific needs. We also find there's at least one or two bottlenecks outside of the training and nutrition protocol that are keeping you from seeing the results that you want to see. And I find that these keep people from seeing results more than they think. And so we dive into those and and figure out what those are. If you're interested in coaching, you can find the link in the show notes to see what services I offer. You can also reach out to me on Instagram. If you aren't interested in full coaching, I do one-on-one consultations where we troubleshoot any issues you have and or map out a game plan for the next couple months. Again, that link to that is in the show notes. If you want to learn more about a body recomp. I have my masterclass on body recomp, what it is, how to do it. And you can find the link um, to that in the show notes. Next, you can follow me on Instagram, Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore. That's where I'm most active on social media. And if you have any questions or anything, you can reach out to me there. And then lastly, if you have found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review, and that will help more people find this podcast. So with that out of the way, let's dive into today's question. So somebody asked, so I'm 120 pounds, quote unquote, skinny fat, how much protein do I need? And is 1900 to 2000 calories good for me? What I want to do here is, so first, this is very individual, okay, in terms of how many calories you need to eat and and how much protein. With this specific avatar, I'm going to dive into what it is so we can figure out what that is. But however, what I want to hit on real quick is just, hey, is this amount of calories good for me? And, And calorie intake is very individual and is also dependent on things like overall health, overall activity, your current body composition and and diet quality, among other things, right? This isn't the the end all be all, but those are going to be things that are certainly going to play a role in that genetics, right? That's going to be another big thing as well too here. You have some people that are 120 pounds and they could eat 2,500 calories per day to maintain weight. Some people, it could be 2000. Some people need 1200 to drop weight. Some people need 1500. It's just very dependent on all these things, right? Again, you could see where somebody who, so you can see where this, and, and again, the, the movement's going to be a huge part of it, right? Somebody that lose 15,000 steps compared to 3000, that's going to make a, a massive difference, right? So the best thing you can do here is get within the ballpark and then make adjustments based on results. So this is where you can potentially use like a macro calculator, calorie calculator to get you within the ballpark. And then from there, you're going to have to adjust based on your feedback and results, right? From that. So again, very individual. Now, what I do want to dive into is this kind of skinny fat avatar and some things to work on here. So first I want to go over what is a skinny fat, right? So it's because you probably hear this thrown around. It's just not a very catchy, not necessarily catchy, but it's just a kind of, I don't know, not a great term. I think it's the best way to describe it. So it's someone who appears to have a normal weight, but they have a higher percentage of body fat and low muscle mass. If you're someone who has dieted down to be smaller, but then always have been unhappy with your appearance, then you may have, you may feel like you're skinny fat there. And this is why I don't just focus on losing scale weight. And instead we focus on building muscle and losing body fat, AKA a body recomp things that I talk about there with that. The good news is that there are some adjustments you can make to fix this. If you have done this before or to avoid it, if you are looking to lean out again, what are some things that we can do here? Again, this is somebody who isn't necessarily, they're not overweight. They don't have a high body weight, but they're just, 
they know they need to add muscle. So it's okay. What do you do here with this? Or maybe they have a little amount. They don't have a lot of muscle, but they have more body fat than anything. So let's first go at this from why does this kind of typically happen? How do you fall into this avatar? So first, I think the the very first reason is no weight training. Weight training is going to help you build and maintain muscle and muscle is what gives your body that, that shape. It also has a ton of other health benefits along with it. It's probably going to help speed up your metabolism slightly, right? It's also going to help you with insulin sensitivity as well too. It's going to make your body more sensitive to that. And building muscle also helps you realize you don't need to go as low on the scale as you think, and it can help you eat more overall and still look good. So again, this is going back to the the calorie intake where again, somebody who has more muscle mass is probably going to be at a little bit of a higher caloric intake than somebody who has less muscle mass. I've said this before, but very rarely have I seen somebody that has a lot of muscle ever have to dry, diet down under like 1500 calories to, to drop body fat, right? So again, the big thing here, a common thing of this avatar is no weight training. Two, extreme calorie restriction. This calorie restriction can lead to weight loss, but you feel like crap and it increases the likelihood that you will lose lean body mass in the process. If you can combine these first two, you're going to lose weight, but you probably won't be happy with your look as you diet down. But uh, again, this avatar typically is not weight training and they also have periods of time where they really try to restrict their caloric intake. Maybe they drop a little bit of weight and whatnot there. So reason number three is going to be low protein. Not only do you not weight train and eat very little from periods of time, but you also combine this with low protein intakes. Protein is going to help you recover from training, but it also helps you maintain and build muscle in the process. It's also great for helping you feel full and it uses the most energy uh, out of the three macronutrients when you absorb and digest it. So this can be helpful from a, when you are trying to drop weight or in your, you're in a uh, fat loss phase there on that. Or if you find that when you're in a building phase, you tend to get super hungry, this can help lower your hunger level. So protein is going to be helpful from that standpoint. But again, the big thing is the maintenance of lean body mass. Typically here with this, I did make this kind of point that I think people in the fitness industry know that they need to get protein. And I think in that case, if you need to get more, you probably do consume a good amount and you don't need to stress this. We're talking about people that, that get really low with this and, and, and aren't aware of this there on that. Reason number four, too much cardio slash training only focused on the feeling of working hard. Another common trait in those who are quote unquote skinny fat is an overemphasis on cardio and training that makes you sweat and just feel tough. While any exercise is good, when you can combine it with things mentioned earlier, an intense style of training like boot camps just doesn't build muscle and give your body that shape that, that people want. So again, this over-reliance on just doing, on doing cardio for fat loss purposes, and then this training, like high intensity training all the time, not combined with not having any sort of training that, that helps with uh, hypertrophy, right? Um, that's another thing that you'll see here. Another reason is poor sleep, high stress. Uh, the other common trait uh, is of skinny fat is poor sleep and high stress levels. Both of these put your body in a poor position to gain muscle and, and lose body fat. Studies have shown that those who sleep less don't necessarily have a tougher time losing weight, but the problem is the weight they are losing is usually more lean mass that they lose compared to those who get a good night of sleep regularly. So we want to look out there for that. You're not necessarily going to drop any more weight or less weight than somebody when you're sleep deprived. It's what that is, what that weight loss is made up of is, is the issue there with that. So let's talk about how we fix skinny fat. So how, what do I do with clients who come to me with this avatar or with this kind of, with these characteristics? So first is training. We make sure you're weight training at least two to four times a week. The emphasis would be on increasing strength and muscle to send the signal to your body that muscle is important and that it must prioritize keeping it and, or potentially building more, right? So we need to make sure we're lifting weights. All you need is about 45 to 60 minutes per session. Again, 
again, two to four times a week. I think from a cardio standpoint, we would potentially drop it depending on where you're at, but we may keep it the same for cardiovascular health, but we probably would also place some a larger emphasis on things like steps, just overall activity versus trying to get things that are going to quote unquote burn the most calories or get your heart rate up, et cetera, there on that. So on the nutrition side of things, it would it's going to depend on the client, but we would either put you at maintenance calories with adequate protein. So again, around one gram per pound of body weight, and then we put you at your maintenance calories. And what that essentially means is your weight would stay around the same. So if we take this person that's 120 pounds, around two and a half percent. So I think anywhere from 115 to 125 is where we would want to keep that that weight at. That might be a little bit higher than two and a half percent. I don't know for sure, but if somebody came to me with that body weight, that's where I'd want to keep it here in this situation. Or we would put them potentially at a small calorie deficit with adequate protein. So a very small deficit, right? We wouldn't be losing more than like 0.5% of body weight per week. So if you were 120 pounds, let me do some some good old Google math here just to see what this is. We're looking at about 0.6 pounds uh, per week um, there on that, right? If you're going to hit that number there with that. And, and again, making sure you get adequate protein. So again, around one gram per pound of body weight. Both of these options would allow you to eat more and give you more energy throughout the day and in your training sessions, which will help with adding more muscle and maintaining muscle, right? So that's going to help us with that um, problem of low muscle in this avatar. And again, like I said, protein would be around one gram per pound of body weight. So for this particular person who's 120 pounds, is the 2000 calories good for me? You would have to figure that out, right? Uh, if, if it's enough to keep you maintaining your weight, it could be good. If you if it's dropping your weight around 0.6 pounds per week on average, it's probably a good amount. If it falls outside of that, you might want to adjust it a little bit on there on that. And then sleep and stress. Lastly, we would also work on improving their sleep habits as well as managing their overall stress load. Both of these will put your body in a better position to lose fat and build muscle. So we want to make sure that that gets taken care of as, as well too there. Yeah, I think really the, the big thing here with this skinny fat avatar is, is making sure they're eating enough protein throughout the day, making sure they're weight training and that weight training is geared towards building muscle. Focus more on like overall movement versus like intensity of movement and then or intensity of training and then finding an energy balance that that keeps them around their same weight, but is going to help elicit some muscle growth while potentially dropping some body fat if that's what they want to do there on that. And then obviously managing sleep and stress is going to be key as well too. So that's that avatar there. Hopefully this was helpful. Let me know if you have any questions on that. Next question is which muscle is easiest and hardest for you to grow? How much volume do I do for each? So I thought this was a good question to touch based on. So I would say my legs in general, so quads, hamstrings, and biceps are the most responsive to muscle growth. Now biceps, maybe I also, when I was younger, just train my biceps like crazy. So I think that obviously helped, but I do think genetically, I it's a little bit easier for my biceps to look bigger there on that. So I would say those are probably my strong points, right? Hamstrings and quads, and then biceps. For quads, I do about four to six sets a week currently, which is pretty low. I'm not trying to grow my quad. So that's more like maintenance for me. And then hamstrings are four sets a week. And then right now for biceps, I do about six to eight direct sets per week, right? That's not counting like back stuff. Sometimes people count back stuff towards that. So that's where I'm at there with that. I would say those are my most responsive uh, muscle groups. And you find that out over time through training and whatnot consistently and, and being on like a consistent program. I really don't feel like I have any muscle groups that stand out in terms of tough, toughest. I was thinking through this question. I was like, man, what muscle groups are like, I'm not happy with. I think to go back on a story here, uh, when I did my first bodybuilding show, I was told I needed to have my upper body match my lower body in terms of size. So ever since then, really subconsciously, I've not subconsciously, I, I purposely have been like, Hey, I need to probably spend a little bit more time building my upper body and growing that. So that's, so I guess what I would say there on that is the rest of my upper body would fall in this category of everything else that I'd want to grow. And maybe is a little bit more, it's a little bit tougher, a little less responsive than my legs and biceps are in terms of size. And yeah, I've just spent more time 
on those. Now, again, was that in the past just because I, I don't know if I had everything even and, and maybe the way I trained my upper body just wasn't conducive to muscle growth or maybe I just didn't do enough volume. I, I don't know on that, but I definitely have cut back on leg training volume and, and put more of it in my upper body over the last couple of years. So my upper body has been a higher volume over the past few years compared to my legs as I've wanted to grow my upper body, not only because of what they said, but also just that's what I want to continue to see grow on that. So I'd say for my upper body, sets range from anywhere from six to 10 sets uh, per week per muscle group. Now, what I will say on this is in this upcoming building phase, I'm going to try some volume cycling where I increase sets on one to two muscle groups and keep everything else closer to maintenance. So these numbers will go up on certain muscle groups at certain periods of time. So that will be super, super interesting to see what happens there um, with that. Looking forward to trying that out whenever I get back here from the honeymoon and I get back uh, into my regular um, training and, and go into a building phase. Again, I'll probably be geared towards more upper body and who knows, I might push anywhere from like 15 to 20 sets on certain muscle groups. We'll see. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But again, I think over time here with this concept, train consistently for two to five years on a good program, really focused on progressive overload. And then from there, you'll start to see muscle groups that might be a little less responsive or a little bit more responsive. And then you can start to alter your training around that, right? Where it's like, hey, I'm definitely noticing that my triceps just grow super quick. Whereas I'm really trying to grow my quads and they don't grow as well. So it's, hey, maybe you can dial back the, the tricep training and maybe that will help or and or increase your quad volume just a little bit more. I always think too, though, that you need to really make sure that you're training correctly. I think that is probably a bigger limiting factor than the amount of volume. Make sure that's there first. Make sure you're getting close to failure. If you're training consistently, you're using progressive overload. And I think that's going to take care of most of your problems and obviously continuing to dial in execution for those muscle groups as well too. Finding exercises that really fit that muscle group would be key there on that. But again, don't jump to conclusions where it's, oh, I need to start to focus on this body part. I think it's going to take a couple of years for that to start to show up essentially there on that. Cool. So my, so hopefully that was interesting and, and provided you some insight there on that. So last question of the day is static con contractions. Do them for all sets of one set. What would you do? So static contractions, I took this as like isometrics essentially, right? That's how I took it. I don't know if that's what the person meant. They didn't get back to me on this, but to me, static contractions would be, and sorry, they did. Okay. They didn't respond to my answer, but I did ask them, are you talking about, yeah, what do you mean by static contractions? And they were talking about, for example, on the incline bench press, you would hold the weight out. So that would be like an isometric type training there on that. And so think of this as if you're doing a bicep curl, you get to the top and you're just holding that spot there. If you're doing like a tricep push down or tricep dual cable, tricep extension, it's where you're locked out and you're holding that spot. Same thing, incline bench, it's where you're holding straight out. And that's going to be, you're going to be in the shortened position there, right? That's going to be the concentric fate part of it. And it's going to be where most of the time your muscle groups are going to be in a shortened position there on that. So for building muscle, I wouldn't use utilize these. I don't, and I wouldn't use utilize these. Just everything I've seen in the research, nothing shows that these are going to be beneficial for muscle growth, right? From my understanding, I don't think they're as beneficial as doing a regular set where you, you're at the bottom, you come up and, you, and then control all the way down, you come back up. I don't think these are even as good. They're probably worse. And then for sure, they're not better than that. So for that reason, I, I don't utilize these for clients. The only time I would consider adding in like some sort of hold would be like in the lengthened position. Okay. So again, we know that there's been some research on the lengthened position being beneficial for muscle growth. And so this could be a time that I, that I would potentially use it, right? For example, in a bicep curl, you would hold for one to two seconds at the bottom of a curl. A few things on this. For one, I wouldn't do it all the time. This would be something that I would do 
maybe if somebody's struggling on a certain uh, exercise where they're just dropping the weight, they're just going too quickly for them. Maybe we would throw this in a little bit more, right? And I wouldn't do it for longer than like one to two seconds. So this isn't, oh, you're going to sit there and hold it for 10 seconds. I wouldn't do that either. I don't think that's necessarily beneficial either. So in saying all this, they aren't necessary, especially if you train with good technique and control. So if you already do that, you're probably getting most of the benefits out of that anyways. And just sitting there being like, Hey, you need to hold this for a little bit. Isn't going to elicit any more muscle growth at that point. And I think this kind of makes sense. I think the longer you do this, what happens is you end up not being able to take the target muscle as close to failure because you're, you're going to end up having to use like less weight and whatnot there on that. So this is why I don't use them. So I, I would not use these for muscle growth. Again, I would potentially think about doing it from time to time and like the lengthen position. But again, I wouldn't do it for super long and I wouldn't do it all of the time either. And it would be more on a case by case basis. So hopefully that makes sense there on that. So that's it for the questions today. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and I will chat with you next time. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.